Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Today, I'm joined by Paul McGowan, who people may know as Better Call Paul, which we'll get onto during this podcast. He's known on LinkedIn as Better Call Paul. So if you've seen him, you'll know what I'm on about. Um, Paul has been in the financial services industry for 25 years now and has done everything in the industry that you can imagine. So sit back and take in some of the wisdom Paul's going to offer in the next 30 to 45 minutes. Paul has a passion for helping business owners. So you can imagine he spends a lot of time on LinkedIn where a lot of business owners do to spend their time. And that's where I personally got to know Paul and got to see his branding. It was actually his LinkedIn banner that caught my eye. And we're going to have a chat today about that. But first thing to do is to say thank you for coming on, Paul. How's the week started for you so far? Well, thanks uh, for having me, Chris. Uh, yeah, it's a rainy day here in the Macclesfield. So yeah, yeah, nice bank holiday break and then straight back at it today. So yeah, I've got a big busy week as usual planned out, loads of appointments and stuff to get on with. I saw something on LinkedIn earlier actually saying like the bank holiday weeks is when everybody tries to cram five days worth of work into, into four, to be fair. That's what yeah, everybody... yeah, it's true that, yeah. Are you, a, but... are you a fan of working on bank holidays or do you just completely take them off? Um, I mean, I did do at the beginning of my career when you sort of started the business because, you know, you, you'll take anything you can get, really, you know, and work all the hours that God sends. But uh, luckily for me, as the uh, business has progressed and, and grown and changed and all that kind of thing, you know, I'm quite lucky that I can say, you know, I don't work bank holiday. Sometimes I have to be reminded it is a bank holiday by my wife, to be honest. But, uh, but otherwise, no, it, it wouldn't be my, my choice to work on bank holidays anymore, uh, thankfully. The thing is that bank holidays haven't really existed for the last year because we had so many last year during lockdown and it, it was kind of like, well, it's just it's just another day at home, isn't it? Whereas before it was like now it's going to the pubs. We were talking about that beforehand, weren't we? It's, it's such a shame for the weather for the pubs these last few days. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, who'd want to be a pub landlord after what we've or a restaurateur or what we've been through this last 12 months? I think we should be... Uh, Really kind of grateful that our industries for a lot of us, well, certainly for me, you know, continued unabated, really. You know, I've never been busier, to, to be fair. So, you know, you have to thank, uh, thank, you, thank, thank the Lord that uh, that's the case, really. We can keep going. It'd be quite interesting, actually. This, this isn't something I was going to talk about if it's cropped up, but you've obviously seen peaks and troughs throughout the market in your career of being in the financial services industry. What do you think is going to happen kind of in the next 12 months in the market? Well, obviously, everybody's, you know, if you're a mortgage broker, you're, you're going to be exceptionally busy at the minute. Um, and that's good, you know, grab it while it's there. Um, but in my, in my opinion, I think with the stamp duty sort of holiday comes to an end and, you know, the pent up crazy demand that's there at the minute because of lockdown, you know, I think there's a lot of interest in property because, you know, when it started kicking off, people have nothing else to do but other than, you know, let's go and look at a property kind of thing. Yeah. So I think that's driven quite a bit of it. And obviously, you know, cheap interest rates and obviously the mortgage guarantee scheme coming along, um, et cetera. But, you know, it's gonna it's simple things. It's down to supply and demand, you know, everything. I mean, I don't know if it's like around the country, but, you know, certainly where I live, you know, my daughter's buying a property at the minute and I'm doing the mortgage and uh, 
she just can't find it. She can't find a property to buy. It's just as soon as you, as soon as something comes on the market, you know, you ring. I think last week she rang up on the on the Monday and said, "I'd like to view." And it was, it was, they were gone already. They're going that quickly. So I'm sure that's the experience around the country. But it's, it can't keep continuing, really. I don't, I don't think. It's just, it's not, it's not doable. It, 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 it just can't carry on. But do you see? Because it's going to happen kind of August, September, you would have thought, wouldn't you, when people realise, look, we're not going to beat the stamp duty deadline. What do you think is going to happen October or towards the end of the year? Uh, it's difficult to say. I mean, obviously, coming towards the end of the year, you know, coming into winter, things do tend to obviously, you know, quieten down a little bit. Um, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, yeah. for, from my perspective, um, I do mortgages, but... I probably don't do them at the volume that some mortgage brokers do. And I've got, uh, you know, friends and colleagues who are knocking out sort of 20, 30 mortgages a month. And and in fairness, I wouldn't want to be in that space because, you know, the stress that would, that would bring um, for me. I've done that kind of volume in the past, but, you know, I've learned not to just rely on the mortgage market. When, when I first started my old business 25 years ago, you know, we used to, just to go for mortgages as a as a route to get into the protection business and okay. things I'm hearing and listening to and seeing online and in Facebook groups and stuff like that. You know, there's, there are mortgage brokers out there. They're so busy doing mortgages. You know, the the the, the protection business is falling to one side really, and it's sort of with a lot of brokers, it's come full circle. You know, and if you're only relying, you know, solely on mortgages as your main stream of income. You know, I can't see it, you know, continuing at this level. You know, if you're not good at getting that protection business done, you know, and, and you know, you could make on a, a kind of average deal, you know, 1500 2000 pounds off the protection commission, which, you know, far outweighs what you can get from the mortgage in a lot of instances, particularly up here where, you know, we're, I'm in the northwest and we don't have the luxury of the property prices down south, where, you know, where brokers are getting massive prop fees and stuff like that. I mean, I'd say my average case is probably, you know, 100 to 150,000 where you know obviously down down in London and places they could be knocking out 500 grand cases all day long so you know so it is regional as well but don't you know don't forget that the the protection business is our job as as a proper broker to make sure that the the protection's done to make sure that client doesn't lose the home if you know sadly if the worst happens and and it does happen you know we all know somebody who's been ill or somebody who's died prematurely and etc but I, I do the probably going to talk about it later on but I, I do a lot of wills and estate planning I've been doing that for sort of 20 years plus so I derive a lot of income from that kind of thing so my income's quite spread really across different kind of product sets I do equity release as well I mean I mean that's obviously you know not driven by you know people wanting to buy house although you can do equity release for purchase but we don't do that many of them but so so I suppose you know my income spread across a few areas so I'm not relying on one sort of single source of business if that makes sense and the thing is you've obviously you've picked all these different different types of products over the years haven't you from working can you give us a brief kind of 30 second background of your career in the financial services industry up until today yeah i can i mean it's probably a bit, little bit longer than 30 seconds but i started um in financial services when i was 17 and some of the listeners may remember um, that, that what we would call a man from the pre. So somebody would come on, knock on your door, collecting insurance premiums, uh, you know, simple life insurance endowments as they were, all that kind of thing then. Um, 
and I just took it as a summer job really I was going in the RAF um, and for sort of kind of personal reasons um, I decided against it but also financial because when I started as a trainee my first week's wage was about 165 quid and that's going back to 1986 and my brother at the time was doing a, an apprenticeship as an electrician on a YTS scheme for those young old enough so old I enough have, to remember I that. have heard of the YTS scheme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, he was on 28 pound 50 a week so you know it was, it was you know significantly more money um, and I thought there's a bit of there's a bit of mileage in that so I progressed up to from a trainee up to an agent I had my own territory I uh, did that for a few years and then I sort of progressed up into sort of sales management so as a kind of sales manager we'd be out with agents they'd line up leads and uh, appointments for you would go and visit clients sell them some more insurance um, and then progressed up to a, a branch manager where I was about 23 at the time I had uh, uh, 20 agents under me and about four sales managers I was the youngest one in the country um, so I did that for a for a while um, but it was a it was a real highly sales focused job. Um, I couldn't uh, I didn't actually feel comfortable. I had to ring my agents every night. How much business have you done today? The sales managers are the same. And then I had to ring into my regional manager the next morning to say these are the sales figures for the day. And the pressure just became unbelievable. And I, I said to my wife at the time, um, I can't do this anymore. I just I can't. I, it's going to drive me into an early grave. And it was that point um, in '97. Um, uh, Allied Dunbar, some of you may remember Allied Dunbar, they were courting me and uh, 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 I, did, I agreed to join them as a uh, self-employed sales consultant and that's really, that was the sort of start of the career properly I suppose in business. Um, I was with them for a while um, and then joined Royal Sun Alliance as a tied agent and did a couple of years there then they closed the sales force down I decided at that point I'm going to become an IFA because I wasn't going to be beholden to the one company that could turn the tap off. Uh, and then I was an IFA um, from about year 2000 up to 2011. Um, and for personal reasons, I went through a very bad divorce and marital breakdown in 2011. I ended up off work for 18 months with stress and depression. Um, and I was at that point, I was in a business with, uh, there was two other directors in the business, uh, so three directors, and we had um, eight um, IFAs who worked under us self-employed. And in that period of time, whilst I was off, I just did a lot of thinking and, you know, how did I get to this situation where I'm stressed and everything? And it, it became quite apparent to me, it was me that was driving the business. I was doing the compliance, the TNC, training the staff. And the other two directors were just hanging on to my shirt tails, really, and, you know, sat there drawing a dividend from the business and a salary. Uh, and I went back and I said, right, I'm uh, going on my own. And if you want to fight out in court, I'm happy to do that. Uh, I got rid of all the other uh, IFAs uh, that worked for us self-employed um, and then um, went on my own. And shortly after that, the other two directors left the industry and I've never returned to it. So funny that, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I suppose it sort of kind of proves you, 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 you thinking was right, really. Uh, and then I, I plodded. I, I wouldn't say I plodded. I mean, I earned decent money. What we get paid for what we do is, is ridiculous if you work out what the hourly rate is. But I've, I've earned a decent living since 2011. Um, and then I um, got involved with Gary Das's uh, Facebook group. Uh, had, did some coaching with Gary. 
Um, and it just sort of relit the fire under my backside, really. And as I'm getting on a bit, not getting on, I'm not too old, but I'm 54 this year. I started thinking about my exit strategy out of the business. Um, so I recruited uh, my daughter last year, who both of my kids followed me into financial services, ironically. Uh, I don't know why, but they did, um, working for bigger companies. Uh, so my youngest daughter came working with me last year as an admin person, and my oldest daughter's just doing CMAT three this month, uh, and hopefully she's going to be coming joining me in the next couple of months. And <clears throat> it's a family business, and Amazing. You know, and I've learned a lot over you know over my career, and certainly a lot more in the last couple of years about you know getting the business working right, having the right sort of structure, having the right processes, having goals. Um, business planning and all that kind of thing and I feel like now in the next sort of probably three to five years I've, I've got a pretty firm exit strategy and the kids can take it the business on to kind of the next level and uh, I'll just be there to help them but I'm, I'm definitely going to take my foot off the pedal and uh, start to enjoy life a bit more. Wow so you've been been through loads I didn't realise that you've been through kind of that many businesses especially yeah, yeah. having that one with the two directors what would you say has been what was it what was the favorite role out of those out of all of them um that's difficult to say really I, I think if i look from the transition from coming from what they call a home service background which is the guy knocking on the door collecting insurance premiums and then going to work with ally dunbar and i know i don't i know that some people think that you know they've not got the best reputation in the industry but i can honestly say that two years i spent with them i learned more about being a financial advisor than, than any, anywhere else I've been, to be honest. And that's, I've gone on to take that, you know, forward. And, and I'm still using stuff where you're talking to clients uh, about protection. And, you know, you have to disturb clients into taking decisions and taking action sometimes. And, and, and in a nice kind of way, I don't mean in a, in, a, in a bad way. But the things I learned there in terms of sales was, it was absolutely incredible. And I, that was a really enjoyable couple of years, I have to say. But um you know for one reason or another things move on and you, and you kind of move on through your industry move on to the next it's interesting that you say and we spoke about this before the podcast didn't we a few weeks ago that it is it's an industry where you can get paid a lot for the hours that you do which would make it quite attractive to somebody that's thinking right during this day and age um, they've maybe been let go from their job, right, I'm going to be a mortgage advisor because it looks lucrative and all they do is do the CMAP and, and punch some numbers into a computer. We all know, well, I've never done it, but from me looking out, it's a lot more than that. What do you say to people? Do you recommend they go and work for a bigger company first to develop their sales skills and how a mortgage actually works, opposed to just starting out their own business? Or could somebody just start their own business today just stepped out doing their CMAP. I mean, I mean, you could start your business, you know, your own business theoretically, but you know, I mean, my advice would probably be to go with a bigger company, you know, because there's a lot to learn. It's not just as we know, punching numbers into computers. I mean, the skill set of a mortgage broker, knowing about the different criteria for different lenders and how quickly it changes and. And you have to know all your kind of stuff about, you know, broken mortgages and stuff like that. But you, you need to learn how to interact with people and, yes. you know, you need you need to learn the kind of sales side. And, and I mean, sadly, in, in our industry for, for some time, that's been lacking. It really has. And, you know, I don't think those are the opportunities that there was when I first started a business where there, there were, you know, a few companies out there that 
would take you on and, and actually teach you how to sell because that's we're in the sales game and I'm not ashamed to say it you know people you know sit on the pedestal saying I'm an advisor well you are but you're a salesperson at the end of the day and yeah. you know it's all that kind of interpersonal skills and, and all that kind of stuff so I would probably if, if I started again probably go through a you know similar kind of route that I, that, I, that I went down and I mean this well that's it with with your role you door-to-door sales it's it's the biggest sales job you can ever do if you can't sell door to door do you know what i mean that's that's the baptism of fire isn't it really and then you yeah, went absolutely. off to the corporate and, and took that you don't see door to door salesmen much anymore do you cuz just get the door slammed in no it's all cuz it's become highly so highly regulated but i mean i when i when i started i had a you know a, a round it was kind of, it was like a round we would call it you know there's so many clients and and they already had an existing business so you'd collect the premiums on the existing business but then Try and encourage them to buy, you know, more or you know, right. the kid get the kids to buy things and all that. But you know, part of the training was we had to literally go cold knocking on doors where it wasn't, you know, it was a client. You'd knock on a door and say, you know, I'm the I'm the insurance collector from next door, blah blah blah, and you come up with some kind of sales pattern just just to knock on somebody's door cold and wait for them to answer it, and then you know, get into, launch yourself into say sales process. It, it took some doing really, but in fairness, it's it may kind of made me the person I am really because I'm not kind of I'm not kind of feared about speaking to new people you know I can communicate at any level director level you know down to you know join the pub kind of thing I'm just a normal working class guy really but you know yeah. you learn that kind of stuff and you know th- th- those opportunities are not around anymore they're not so you're just starting out in the business go and try try and sell some stuff door to door and then come back and tell us how hard it is because <laughs> I've tried it before it's just yeah. yeah so but now everything you've changed now that you're more in the you've moved into the training field haven't you and the, I, I want to learn a bit more about this you work with Gary Das who's obviously one of the biggest thought leaders in the mortgage broker world at the moment especially in the training area mm-hmm. how did that come about and what does that training look like well it kind of all stemmed I mean I'm I've been coached by Gary Das I'm still being coached and you know he is a good guy and he does know his stuff you know and I'm I, you know I'm not here to to big up Gary Das but he, he is he's I mean if you can relight the fire under my ass after 25 years, I'm sure he could do, you know, he can help a lot of other people. But I mean, fundamentally why it came about is it's, I've been doing estate planning for many years. Um, I mean, going back sort of 10, 12 years ago, I had an estate planning business um, at, this, at the same time as I had the financial services business. Um, and we had 30 um, consultants in that and they were mainly um, mortgage brokers, IFAs, and but we, we taught them how to do it. So we gave them, the kind of um, the facilities, the, the technical, you know, sort of backup in terms of they go and see a client and, you know, what would, what should I recommend? So they almost fill a fact find in, bring it back to us and we'd say, right, this is what you need to do. And we produce all the documents, the wills, the LPAs, trusts and all that kind of stuff. But I got into estate planning a long time ago because as an IFA, you know, one of the things when you're filling the fact finding is you're saying to a client, have you got a will? Um, and the client in, the, in this country, 70% of people haven't, and the ones that have got one have probably got the, a lot of them have got the wrong kind of will. Yeah. Uh, and it just became a box ticking exercise. So you'd say they haven't got a, a will, and then you'd make a, a recommendation in your suitability letter, you need to go and make a will. And then we go back and do a review a year later and a year later, and the client still haven't got a will. So I thought, I see that was coming there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I thought, I'm going, to do, I'm going to do this. So I did my exams with the Society of Will Writers many years ago. I started delivering that to my clients. Um, so I've always personally done it for my own clients. We've taught people in the past. 
when I went through my sort of marital breakdown, that business went as well um, for, for various reasons. One of the directors that was involved in the financial services business was also involved in that um, business. Um, and we were making a bit of money, but it was just covering its cost, to be honest. And, and I didn't have the time to drive it the way I wanted to drive it because of the situation that was going on at the time. So I've always known that's a, it's a fantastic income stream and also a fantastic tool for getting referrals. And also you're doing a fantastic job for your clients. So yeah. I got talking to Gary Das about it um, and, you know, put some ideas on the table. I've got a couple, a couple of other business partners involved in that and the four of us set up last year uh, to offer exactly that to to um to mortgage brokers um and you mentioned before about mortgage brokers you know new new starter or you know less inexperienced kind of people it's it's difficult if you haven't got a wide contact network or a big client bank to get referrals mm. and and what we've been able to do is show people that by doing a will people you know with the, the roles with involved involved within the will like an executive trustee guardians it just gives you a natural opportunity to to, to, to say, well, I'd like to speak to these people uh, and tell them what you're doing and all this kind of thing. And it just it just leads to loads of referrals. And then plugging that into Gary's network and, you know, he's, he's really sort of on fire. He's, he's really good at marketing and he's an ideas kind of person. We, we sort of put it to him and he just he said, I want to I want to get involved kind of thing. And so that's where we're at now. We, we've got our first sort of. Uh, cohort word of the year isn't it with vaccinations we've got our first first cohort um about to go on on a training course it should have started in march but with covid but to keep postponing it and postponing it so next month we've got uh, about 23 people on their training course um but we've been running training for them um uh, in the last three months doing zoom calls giving them sales training all kinds of things uh, and that they'll be up and running and generating another significant income from the, for, for themselves, providing good service to the clients. Um, but also, you know, they'll be getting a lot more referrals. And going back to your question earlier, what's going to happen with the mortgage market? Who knows? But if you've got another way of generating work, referrals, income streams, which is, you know, it's not reliant on, you know, to a large extent, the economy, you're not, you're not doing mortgages where if it's a purchase where there's, you know, there's, somebody can pull out of the sale or the chain breaks down or you'd be holding with solicitors. So it takes ages to get paid. This is quick turnaround, good service, good quality, you know, things that clients need. So, so yeah, we've got kind of big plans to, to, to roll that up, hopefully to by the end of the year to, you know, hundred advisors out doing that and then, and then and grow it further, further beyond that really. And what you're talking about there, from what I'm seeing, is, is a mortgage is almost like your, I'm not going to call it a loss leader, which they talk about in supermarkets and things, but it's the products that you might not make a lot of money on because you are talking of the 150 grand mortgages with low prop fees. It's the protection, it's the GI, it's the, you know what I mean? it's the wills, it's the trust off the back of that. Because if that person pulls out of that mortgage, they can still have all of that GI and can still have the wills and the trusts and everything in place, can't they? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's just expanding, the, you know, your, your, your horizons or your mind as an advisor to, 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 to offer these things, you know, these services to clients. And there's loads of, as I said earlier, there's a lot of mortgage advisors don't, uh, you know, they're, they're not brilliant at protection. I've got friends who are mortgage brokers and they don't do the protection themselves. Some refer, some just don't bother, which you know, I just, it's just not right really, is it? But yeah, 
it's just the mortgage from, coming from you that's been in the business for 25 years don't just rely on mortgages always absolutely. have those different income streams absolutely absolutely awesome well you can check out i'm sure if you if you have a little look at the, the gary das facebook group or connect with paul you'll be able to speak to him and if you do want to get on that course go and have a chat with him because you've, you've been doing it for years so it's the best person to ask for and it's not just for me if it was me going on that course it's not just learning or passing leads on about wills and trust it's it's having your input somebody that's got the experience that's been there and done it and do you know what i mean is it you can't you can't buy that you can't buy experience but at this point you can gain access to somebody that's had that experience so i think it's a great idea just have a, a mentor that's the that's the best way i could put it that's 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 yeah, yeah. That's, that's right that's what that's, gary has become to me is a, is a mentor and yeah everybody needs a mentor it doesn't matter how successful you are successful business coaches and they have their own business coaches that coach them you know it, it never stops really never stops keep on learning that leads us perfect into the social media area so talked about your background and what what you do at the moment but i'd like to get an idea of how you came to settle on the name better call paul what's the backstory to that it's quite a simple one really to be honest uh, i mean other than loving uh, breaking bad and better call so you know I, I, I enjoyed watching it um um a marketing guy that is uh, a marketing consultant has done some work for me and uh, we were just having a bit of banter at a networking meeting and uh he said, have you been watching that Better Call Saul? And I went, yeah, I love it. And he said, yeah, I've started watching it. And he said, it's really good. And he said, you know what? He said, you should change your branding to Better Call Paul. And I just thought, this is an absolute stroke of genius, really. So, uh, and, and that's that's where it's come from. And, and, and you know, it's that was probably, I, I mean, my, my actual company name is How Financial Review Stockport Limited, but how boring is that promoting that on, uh, you know, social media? So, uh so we, we sort of ran with it from about three years ago, I think, and uh, I get really good feedback. I, I do, I got a comment, uh, there's a friend of mine who's an IFA and he's, he's in a, an IFA Facebook group and uh, <clears throat> I've, I've done some um, um, advertising on uh, Facebook for, um, I can't remember, it might have been, I think it was relevant life insurance for directors or something like that. Um, and because it was paid, it, were paid, it was paid advertising. It, uh, my advert had landed in an IFA's feed, which is a, uh, and he's from another part of Cheshire. Then mm -hmm. he put a post in the group saying, "Do you think this is professional based on that better call Saul? The character was known as a dodgy solicitor." And and my friend sort of told me about it, and he said you should join the group and see the the comments because it, there's hundreds of comments in there, and overwhelmingly most of them were completely supportive to say. You know, it's good that somebody tries to make them stand themselves stand out from the competition um and and and, and overall like the message i was trying to get across by you know getting decent financial advice and you know i'm a ma I'm massive on protection it's my passion and uh, the, yeah the support was you know overwhelming there was one or two people didn't like it thought it was a bit uh you know a bit dodgy you know sort of aligning yourself with a dodgy solicitor but to what i didn't care to be honest right. i mean I'm uh, I'm not your stereotypical advisor. I don't wear a pinstripe suit. I don't drive a flash car. I'm just a normal person. And whenever I meet clients, that's what I say, you know. And and I, I, mean, I had a meeting this morning with a solicitor um, who's a client, and he'd not seen the branding, and he was laughing his head off. He thought it was hilarious kind of thing. So <laughs> that's why I wanted you to tell that story because it, it just proves you've got whatever you do with your branding or your company name, you, it's got to relate to you because if you relate it to somebody else, when you sit in front of that solicitor. And you tell them that your 
you know what I mean, Paul McGowan Financial Services or Better Call Paul, which one's he going to remember? And that's how I got to know you and got to see your branding because it was something different. It's funny, when I emailed you at the beginning of these conversations and I saw How To Financial, I'll always tell you Better Call Paul. I'd still call you that. Do you know what I mean? That's where it (laughs) sticks. It sticks in your head. And like you say, there are going to be some people that aren't going to agree with you. Some people might, like your colours are are red and yellow. Some people might not like red and yellow and they've just got this preconceived idea that they don't want to deal with you because they don't like your branding. But for that, there'll be 98 other people that will want to, that will want to do it. But you can't appeal to everyone all of the time, can you? So, you know, I'm I'm not, I'm not that bothered really. I'm just, I'm quite, I'm comfortable with it and that's all that matters really. (laughs) And the thing is with your branding as well, it's, people resonate with it because they've seen Better Call Salt and it's, from a design point of view, it's it's the same colours, it's the same font. So people can resonate with it a lot easier than they will somebody that's just come up with a business name. So I think it's genius, I really do. Some people might not agree with it. Do you get a lot of comments about the colours and the way that you brand yourself on social? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, and, and by and large, the positive comments, you know, I, you know, the, the, the colours really, you know, the, the come across. I mean, I've got a, a banner behind me kind of thing. I, I haven't got it on today, today, but I normally have a yellow T-shirt on kind of thing if oh, I'm right. in, in client meetings. Um, and the website's all, you know, yellow and red. And, and it just it just all kind of flows and works, really. So uh, I, I won't be doing sort of stuff on social media. You know, we have um, have a designer that does pictures of, 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 of me. Basically, it's my head superimposed on Saul's body, but he's really good how he does it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know um, with some of the stuff he does. But, you know, when you actually see... The pictures on social media um, with, with the text below it, it really, it really does kind of stand out. I think it does anyway, and um, so it, it does work. I think, yeah. It's that brand continuity that you talk about. I always say to people, if your social media post should look similar to your website, should look similar to your literature. So if anybody has a touch point with your business, they know it's you. You've taken it to the next level and you put a yellow T-shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where you're going from digital to physical. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Just the cap and everything next. <laughs> In terms of social media, what would you say is your best social media platform for generating business leads? I, I, I won't say a specific, I mean, I, I do, I mean, I don't do Twitter, it's just not me kind of thing. I've got a Twitter profile, um, but I don't kind of get the whole Twitter thing with business um uh, facebook i mean i use my i've got a business profile but everything i post really is from a personal profile because it's it's it, it, it's me really Defining to you as a person yeah 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 i mean we, we tend to post some stuff through uh on, on the business profile and then and then reshare it onto the personal profile um and sometimes just it's just on the personal profile um instagram it's it's i know it's not new it's fairly newish to me we're sort of playing around with stuff on instagram i've got a few kind of funky ideas we're going to use going forward um um and, and linkedin i mean i pay for linkedin navigator um okay. which is about 80 quid a month or something like that and obviously allows you to sort of do a lot more kind of outreach messages to people and stuff like that so particularly around the the estate planning stuff i've been connecting with loads of mortgage brokers and ifas kind of thing and you know getting into bits of conversations and stuff I think they're both equally as good, if I'm being honest. Um, I mean, I know you've interviewed um, a friend of mine, Matt Poole, in the past, and he's he's smashing it out on LinkedIn. Really, really is, and he's and he's getting on LinkedIn. Yeah, 
yeah, and he, and he's getting he's getting quite a bit of work from it. So I'd say Matt's probably a bit further ahead on in terms of in that. I think he's just concentrate a lot on LinkedIn. Um, but I think it just raises your profile, particularly as I, I like doing a lot of business protection and stuff. And you know, I think that's it's it's more for me. I use it more for that kind of thing as well. Um, but Facebook equally, you know, um, I'm probably getting now. I don't know, maybe three, four leads a week straight off the back of Facebook. Of you know, people uh, mess just directly messaging me and stuff. You know, from the content that I've seen. So it's not loads, but you know, if you convert, in, yeah, it's it all it all kind of helps. But but indirectly as well. I I mean, have I, uh, I've got loads of personal friends on Facebook. I mean, I don't use Facebook now other than for business. If I'm being honest, I, I try to keep my private life kind of offline, um, but. We share loads of stuff across um, both of those platforms, and and people, you know, somebody came to me a couple of weeks ago. He's an existing client. I've not spoken to him for a couple of years for one, you know, one reason or another. But uh, he'd seen some posts about uh, estate planning and wills and stuff like that, and he just messaged me out of the blue, said I need a will sorting out, kind of. So it's it's it. You wouldn't sometimes believe where it comes from, you know, but. Because you've got a presence, you, you although you you know you know I'm not contacting clients every year or every couple of years like I did when I was an IFA because you had to you know it was part of the, the, the kind of process then. Um, but people are still seeing your content and you know That's people nice. refer refer people to people and I, I always ask you know if it's somebody I don't know for example you know how did you find out about me and and lots of times I was, well we saw something on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever the case may be. And the thing is. And I'm sure you'll agree with me on this. They probably haven't interacted with any of your posts. That guy about the wills wouldn't have liked, commented, or shared on any of your posts for the last two years. But he's aware of you. Absolutely, it, it, it amazes me. I mean, Gary Das talks about lurkers um, on Facebook, and um, and it's true. You know, it. You know, you, sometimes you think you put some content up, and there's very little engagement. You know, it's the way. It's horses for courses. Sometimes you, you get a fantastic couple of posts and then it, something's a bit quiet, but uh, but you just don't know who's watching you kind of thing. Yeah, it could be one person. That post could reach 20 people, but those 20 people go and tell 50 people. And you've got that many people that know about your business then, but nobody's yeah. liked, commented or shared on it. And that's, yeah. it's like the billboard, isn't it? When billboard marketing was huge, you wouldn't know how many people drove past that and took notice of your post, but you, they drove past it. Yeah, absolutely. Just on Facebook, we can see how many people it does reach. Yeah. When it comes to social media, then you talked about a guy doing a lot of your kind of like superimposing the faces on things. Do you think brokers should outsource their social media or do you think they should look after it themselves? I suppose it very much depends on the size of your business, really. I mean, the ideal kind of business, it doesn't matter what kind of, kind of industry you've got, is, is you need a marketing kind of function, don't you, really? And whether that's you know, you who does it or you, you outsource it or, you, you know, the, the perfect solution if you're a decent sized business is to have somebody in-house doing it yeah. for you. Um, you know, that, you know that's that's what you do. I've always been taught, you know, you should think about spending at least 10% of your turnover on, on, on marketing a year. And, and I do add more beyond that, to be honest. But I don't, I don't have time. I don't have the, the inclination or the skills to create graphics and stuff like that. So I have a, a VA. Um Okay. And all she does is social media. So, you know, I find some content myself. We do some kind of quirky things. I'm doing a, a bit of a thing um, this next couple of months on the, Dave down the pub says he shouldn't do this or that and the other. So we've, we've got some content around that coming out. It's almost like that dead happy TV advert, isn't it? 
Yeah, you know, the, you know the two, the old blokes at the uh, at the at the barbecue. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, yeah, is that a similar kind of thing that Dave down the pub said you shouldn't get life insurance or something? Yeah, like that? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, I mean, it, it works that quirkiness. I think it, it, yeah. it just makes you a bit different, really. Um, but yeah, what we do, do what we do do is is we regularly post stuff on Facebook, you know, and um, you know my VA. I just I give it a bit a bit of a brief every month of what you know what we'd like to do kind of thing. Um, I see content on Facebook that I think that's brilliant, you know, and I kind of kind of adapt it into my kind of style and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we regularly kind of post stuff, and, and I just pay her uh, five hundred pound a month, and and she she does everything for me pretty much. A lot of the kind of thing in our industry, as a lot of people know, is is that it's trying to get it past compliance is the issue, and the, yeah. the tune and fro, and that that in itself is a, you know, it's, it's almost like a bloody full time job doing that kind of thing. So she liaises with compliance, you know, at, and part of Quilts and, and sorts all that kind of stuff out. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, it's pretty hands off from me uh, in terms of you can the, focus then on the things that exactly or yeah. better because there's no point you sitting there for four hours trying to design some social media content when you could have done four fantastic mortgage appointments yeah well I, I, I yeah exactly i have a designer who does you know when i want something that you know to to really kind of stand out i mean it, it does four or five sort of banners kind of thing that goes oh you know pictures that go on facebook it's about 100 quid for like four or five at a time it's not even worth doing to be honest uh, so, but then uh, if you ask that designer to do a mortgage appointment, it'd take him just as long as it would you to do the design. Exactly, exactly. Get so, people yeah. that are good at other things to yeah, yeah, sign up a good business, yeah. isn't it? So talked about social media. Obviously, you get you use other people's expertise along with your ideas to really get a presence on social media. And you need to be consistent with it, don't you? Consistency yeah, is key, definitely. So moving on to the strategy part of the podcast we're going to pretend that you've moved to the north of Scotland, you've got a laptop, a mobile phone and an internet connection. What I'd normally say here is what are the top tips for for somebody to start a brand new business, but you're going to be doing something very similar to this, aren't you, in your what you talked about, your exit strategy? Yeah, I am. Um, so I've been into sort of caravanning and camping all my life. Don't get me wrong, I love my sun holidays as well. I mean, I try, I try to get away probably 10, 10 weeks a year until the pandemic came along really? and did it for us. Yeah, yeah. I do I do like my holidays. Um but I've got a I've got a motorhome and um I got married remarried a couple of years ago and my wife's son is um and he's going into his second year at uni. He's, he wasn't able to sort of go into halls of residence because of the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so anyway, he's decided that he wants to experience uni life, you know, um, with his pals and stuff like that. So, you know, my kids have grown up uh, and I said to my wife, you know, we only live once and I've, I've learned this through the pandemic, you know, just if you can do something, just just do it really. So we've decided uh, from September, we're going traveling for the next two years in uh, in our motorhome um because i've learned through this pandemic um that the public's perception of you know how you deal with them um has changed massively you know i've gone from a kind of very face-to-face business and i'm sure this is the case for lots of people you know i move that business online and i i probably do maybe one appointment a month face-to-face kind of thing at the minute and I'm thinking when my, when my daughter comes on she can take some of the face-to-face stuff and you know all you need is an internet connection a laptop and you know you've got a you've got a business going so so yeah September we're off um 
traveling. Um, so our plan over the next couple of years is we're going to travel around uh, the UK and Ireland. I've traveled extensively around, you know, UK and Ireland, but there's still so many places I haven't seen. And I want to, I, I like being by the sea, so I'm going to pitch up somewhere by the sea. So I've got a kind of sea view. I'm going to do work as I normally would work, but when I finish work, you know, we like walking, we've got a dog kind of thing. Um, and go and see a bit of the country, really. And then in the summer, in the winter time, sorry, um, as I'm getting older, I like the cold weather less and less. Um, and we decided we're going to go out to Spain in the motorhome for three months uh, and then come back and travel to the, to the UK kind of thing. And then ultimately, in the next couple of years, I'm probably going to buy a place to Spain and, uh, and go and live out there and, and work from Spain. Mate. So what are you going to do when you're driving round? What will you use what are you going to rely on to generate leads i suppose it's just going to be social media isn't it well social media i mean that's just that'll be happening you know wherever i am or what i'm kind of doing um i'll still be doing networking uh, i do oh, yeah. a couple of networking meetings um a week at the minute and obviously they've all moved online and i think you know a large part of them are going to stay online um, and I get business, I get a lot of business from networking. And, and also I've got, you know, I've got a big client bank of probably six, 700 people. Um, and I get loads of repeat business and I get, I get, to be honest, I get loads of referrals. I probably, I was look, only looking the other day in, um, in April, I probably, I think we had about 50 leads come in, in April and about 25 of them, a good half of them were just referrals kind of thing. So I'm fortunate because I've been doing it a long time and a lot of people know me um, that uh, I, I do get still get the old fashioned referral and you, you can't whack that. You can't be. And the best thing is you can, as you exit the business, you can pass it on to somebody who you've trained to be in your daughter, be a mortgage broker like yourself. So yeah, yeah. Great way to do yeah. I mean, I'm not going to retire completely because, you know, I love this job, you know, and I really, really do love this job. It's uh, fantastic to help people out. And I know sometimes that might sound a bit crass, but, it, it, you know, our job is to help people and it's it's really enjoyable. So I'll, I'll still do stuff whilst I've got my mental faculties. <laughs> um, but um, I, I'm, my equity release business is growing as well. So, you know, my demographics and client bank is getting kind of older as I'm getting older and that, that kind of works perfectly. But we still get inquiries for first-time buyers who are like 19, 20, 21 kind of thing, and they're, they're probably a bit more suited to my, to my daughter going forward. And they'll all be online appointments, won't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's great. Thank you very much, Paul. That I hope that gives people an insight into you can run the business from wherever in the UK. It doesn't Geographical locations don't really make a huge amount of difference anymore, do they? You can do business with anybody up and down the UK. Correct, so yeah. before you came on the podcast, I asked for a charity um, because I donate £10 to... Um, a charity of everybody's every every guest's chosen one and which charity did you want me to make a donation to paul uh it's a it's a charity called space for autism which is a local charity in macclesfield and I'd, if i'm being honest i don't have a lot of connection with them uh, other than they're very local to where i am uh however i saw something on facebook a couple of days ago and some yobs have smashed the minibus up put all the windows through um, and it's either going to get written off the minibus, which they use to take the children on, you know, outings and, you know, various places and stuff. Uh, and I thought that would be, you know, a really nice thing to do. So I donated something personally myself yesterday and I, I thought that would be a, a really valuable charity. Lovely cause. It, it, 
it's, it's such a shame that something terrible has happened, but it's so nice to hear somebody like yourself locally that's trying to pull together to help to help them get this mini bus, bus back on the road. So definitely I'll make the donation to them. Thanks, Chris. Paul, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an honour to speak to somebody that's that's done everything. You know what I mean? That's, that's gone from, what was it, 1986 you started? Knocking yep. doors with the Prue? Um, yep. all, all the way through to now. And it, it sounds like you've got... It sounds like you could set up another 10 businesses in the next couple of months from all the <laughs> ideas that you've got. But as you said, you've got that exit strategy for the next three to five years, haven't you? So you're going to do anything, rewind this podcast and listen to everything that Paul's just spoken about. Take some notes and, and they'll st- stand you in good stead, definitely. So thank you so much for coming on, Paul. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. Speak to you in a bit. Take care. Cheers now. Thanks. So thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.